Luke 13, 22. He went on his way through towns and villages, teaching and journeying toward Jerusalem. And someone said to him, Lord, will those who are saved be few? And he said to them, strive to enter through the narrow door. For many, I tell you, will seek to enter and will not be able. When once the master of the house has risen and shut the door, and you begin to stand outside to knock at the door, saying, Lord, open to us, then he will answer you, I do not know where you come from. Then you will begin to say, we ate and drank in your presence, and you taught in our streets. But he will say, I tell you, I do not know where you come from. Depart from me, all you workers of evil. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. When you see Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and all the prophets in the kingdom of God, but you yourselves cast out. And people will come from east and west and from north and south and recline at table in the kingdom of God. And behold, some are last who will be first and some are first who will be last. At that very hour, some Pharisees came and said to him, get away from here for Herod wants to kill you. And he said to them, go and tell that fox, behold, I cast out demons and perform cures today and tomorrow, and the third day I finish my course. Nevertheless, I must go on my way today and tomorrow and the day following, for it cannot be that a prophet should perish away from Jerusalem. O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the city that kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to it. How often would I have gathered your children together as a hen gathers her brood under her wings, and you would not. Behold, your house is forsaken, and I tell you, you will not see me until you say, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Good morning. Would you pray with me? Lord Jesus, thank you for this morning. Lord, we ask that if we have thoughts about you that are not right, that you would correct those this morning. We're asking that you would work in our lives. Lord, would you take away this, uh, this Christianity that is so worldly? Lord, many of us uh, have not really even considered whether we truly are believers in you. And Lord, this morning, I think you, the passage that you have for us is for us to ask that question. And Lord, I pray for those that are resistant to you, that are still putting off faith in you, that, Lord, that they may be convinced otherwise this morning by the power of your spirit. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Thanks for being here. You can be seated. Yeah. Um, yeah, glad that you're here. Just a couple things for you real quick. Uh, one is just an encouragement. Would you, uh, would you consider joining us and partnering with us and uh, serving with our, our children in the back there. We have a great new curriculum uh, that is going on back there. You can sign up out here at Connect Central. But we need some more folks to say, I really I, I wanna serve at the church that I attend. That would, be, that would be awesome. That would be so awesome. We need some more folks back there. This is what's been happening during COVID. Uh, for whatever reason, people have said, you know what, I'm not gonna serve right now. And, uh, and so it just gets difficult. Many folks have just used it as an opportunity, and I'm not, I don't wanna criticize anybody here, but for obvious reasons, you know, we were not meeting together for a while, and so it got us out of the habit of serving, uh, those kinds of things, got us out of the habit of coming to church and things like that, and I, I just wanna encourage you, and you're here, so thanks for being here. Uh, and I realize it's really difficult sometimes to miss a service, like the, the preaching here, I know, is, is tremendous, and so, uh, it's hard to miss a Sunday, and so, uh, uh, but we would, we would ask that you, that you uh, sacrifice in that way. That would be really awesome. There's somebody that may have sacrificed for you, so. Uh, secondly is this, is a members meeting, and uh, so if you're a member of Outward Church, we want to encourage you to be there uh, March 14th. It's after second service, lunch, and child care provided. You can register on the app or uh, go to the website. Uh, by March 9th for your lunch order. Please sign up for that. Please be a part of it. Um, I think that'll be an exciting time. For those of you who are watching online, uh, I want to encourage you to, to at least come to the members meeting. Uh, and then, if you're not in some dire situation with your health where like you, you're sure that you would uh, probably die if you got COVID, we want to encourage you to come to church. Be a part of church and uh, come to the members meeting 
on March 14th. That would be awesome. So here we go. Luke chapter 13, uh, beginning in verse 22 there. This is talking about something that is incredibly unpopular. I've had the privilege of teaching several unpopular passages over the last uh, few times I've been able to preach, and so you will also appreciate this one. And so uh, that'll be fantastic. But talking about judgment and who's in and who's out is never a fun thing. Um, however, it, it actually is fun for me. I actually like it. But, uh, but a lot of people don't like to hear about it. And so it, it, maybe the discomfort is on your end mostly. But uh, what th- this passage is fantastic. Are you guys awake this morning? Come on. Come on. Let's go. Let's go. Come on. Need to hear a little bit of reaction. Good grief. I don't know what happened. Like everybody froze over in the freeze a few weeks ago and have not come back to life. Wake up. All right. Uh, so this uh, chapter 13, verse 22, if you were to read, uh, let's just start in verse 22. It's, if you were to read, uh, it says, he went on his way through towns and villages, teaching and journeying toward Jerusalem. He's going toward, uh, toward the cross. And someone said to him, Lord, will those who are saved be few. And he said to them, strive to enter through the narrow door. So they're they're having this conversation and and they want to have a theological argument. Like, is it only going to be some people or is it going to be all people or who all is going to get in there? And part of the reason why they they may be saying that is because in, in Matthew, if you understand the Gospels, which are the life story of Jesus told in uh, three very similar ways, uh, that's Matthew, uh, Mark, and Luke, and then one less similar way, which is the book of John. But Matthew and Luke are very similar. They have some of the very similar stories. And in Matthew's gospel, he uh, retells this same teaching in this way, Matthew chapter 7, verse 13 and 14. He says, enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction, and those who enter by it are many, for the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life, and those who find it are few. So Jesus is talking about like salvation being somewhat limited, it seems like. These Pharisees uh, begin to kind of understand, <coughs> Pharisees, Jews, people who are around him, begin to understand, like, is he, is he talking about salvation he must be talking about a regular argument that we have, which is that uh, not everybody is going to be saved out of uh, the, the Jews. So in their day, they would have thought, okay, only uh, the, the really good Jews and uh, the, the people that are observant of the Torah and, and so forth, those are the people that are in, and then there's a lot of other people that are out, but the, the good Jews, they're the ones who are in. And so there would be disagreement that happens there. We have similar disagreements today as people talk about um, salvation and how it happens, the order of salvation or in uh, the idea of predestination, which we believe in wholeheartedly, like it's fantastic. It's, and once you get uh, the, the idea of predestination, uh, the idea that God chooses those who will be saved, once you realize that God is that sovereign, that he overwhelms your own choice, then you finally begin to get what salvation actually is, as long as you believe that it was your choice, as long as you believe that you are the one who is instrumental in your salvation, you're still uh, believing that it was all you in some ways. I'm not saying you're not saved, but I'm just saying you have a limited understanding of God in that, in that sense. So you see, that was very controversial there, right? So they have some controversial uh, arguments, and we also have some controversial arguments that go on here. And so Jesus is replying to this. They say, uh, who are these people? Uh, who all is going to be saved? Are, are they few? And Jesus takes their kind of nebulous, kind of broad they, are they all going to be saved? And Jesus focuses it on these people or this person, and he says, what about you? Are you going to be saved? Are you going to be saved? And he begins to relay to them some things that really make them begin to doubt, like, am I really in? Am I really a part of this thing? Am I really uh, in this Christianity thing? And I think he wants us to hear the same thing today. I don't want you to doubt your salvation, but what I want you to do is I want you to consider, consider, think hard about. I think that's what Jesus wants you to get this morning. 
I think Jesus wants you to consider, have I really believed in him? Have I really gone through the narrow door? Have I really done that? Jesus says that this is, it's, it's, it's very limited. There's lots of people uh, who are going on the easy way. They're going on the broad way. They're, they're, they're taking the easy way in life. And what's, what's the easy way in life? I determine for me what I should do, how I should feel, who I should sleep with, what gender I should be, what I should do with my money, what I should do with my time, uh, how long I should stay in my marriage, what job I have. I determine for me what's right in my thought life, what's right in, in everything. I make the determination for me. That's the easy way. The easy way is to say, I make all decisions for me. I decide what's right and wrong in my life. Remember that that's the first lie in the garden. That's the, that's the lie that the serpent came to Eve and said, no, God's keeping something from you. He knows that when you take of this fruit, you're gonna be like God, you're gonna know good and evil. You're gonna know for yourself what's right and wrong. You don't need God for that anymore. So the Broadway is doing life on our terms, by our laws, by our belief system. Jesus says it's a narrow way. It is a, it is a narrow way. And the first thing that he says is he says, strive to enter through the narrow door. This idea of strive is the idea of uh, agonizing. The word the, the, where we get our word agonize comes from this Greek word, I believe it's agonizai. So Jesus is saying, I want you to agonize. In fact, uh, uh, Leon Morris says this in his commentary. He says, Strive is a word denoting wholehearted action. It is a technical term for competing in the games. And from it, we get our word agonize. It points to no half-hearted effort. This does not mean that human achievement merits entrance into the kingdom. It is the attitude that is in the, in the mind. Jesus says, I want you to strive. I want you to press toward. I want you to drive toward this. I want you to work towards this. You know, we, we, we talk a lot about Matthew eleven twenty eight. Come to me, all ye who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Jesus wants you to rest in spirit. You cannot work your way into the kingdom of God. But he says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me for I'm gentle and lowly in heart. You know that whole, whole piece there? Maybe you don't. I'm glad you, that you're here. Jesus says, I, want, I still want you to learn from me. I still want you to hear me. I still want you to follow me. I want you to understand me. I want you to, to, to see me. I don't want you to take the easy way. Now, let me just tell you this. Let me tell you something. The easy way is the road to destruction. What's happening in our world today with the Equality Act and those types of things. It is the road to destruction. The Equality Act, which is, I haven't read it recently, but it's essentially uh, talking about how uh, liberal ideas of um, uh, LGBTQ and, and transgenderism and, and all of that stuff and broad acceptance, and if you don't accept this, then you're in trouble, those kinds of things, that type of stuff, that's the easy way. It is, it's the easy way to say, we, we are going to enforce the idea that you should be able to do whatever you want. And it's destructive. It's destructive to people. It's, it's especially destructive to children. Like literally, physically, surgically destructive to people. Our world is hell-bent on going down the broad way. Now, we can talk about those people and them and like all the terrible things that they're doing, but we must understand that all of us, each time that we sin, each, each uh, instance, each moment, each wrong thought, each evil thought is coming from and going down this broad way. It's going down, this is the easy way to fulfill my, my needs. This is the easy way to fulfill my desires. This is the easy way uh, to get what I want. Jesus says you must agonize. 
You've got to strive to enter through this narrow door. But the second thing that he's really saying in this is that the way is narrow. It is not a four-lane highway. It is a skinny footpath, perhaps up a hilly cliff with switchbacks. It is, it is difficult. It is, this door is narrow. It is a narrow way. It is a very narrow way. Now, our world today uh, wants nothing to do with narrow-minded thinking. To be called narrow-minded, which we very well would be today. Like if we were to, uh, I, don't, I don't know, put this on the internet. I guess it is on the internet. Uh, but people would be very upset and we'd probably end up on the news. Local pastor believes that Jesus is the only way to God. Oh my goodness. Crazy thinking here. But our, our, our world believes this idea of narrow-minded thinking is just, it's, it's terrible. It's absolutely terrible. But our world also has narrow-minded beliefs. Our world has very narrow-minded beliefs. Like if I were to say to you today, I'm only slightly racist and just a little bit sexist. I'm only slightly racist and just a little bit sexist. You might say to me, Matt, uh, I don't know if you've understood anything that's happened in 2020 or, or, or any of the last you know, five, five years or uh, up till today, like you cannot be any amount racist. You cannot be any amount sexist. Like there's, there's no way. And I, I might say back to you, why do you gotta be so narrow-minded? Why, why do you gotta be so narrow-minded about that? You know, I, I have a belief system. But the truth is, see, our, our world has narrow-minded beliefs. They're narrow beliefs. Like you cannot be racist today. Never mind the fact that all of us are evil and all of us have racist inclinations. All of us have sexist inclinations. All of us are selfish and, and prideful and arrogant and rude to one another. Never mind all of that. But today, it is not okay in any way, shape, or form to be any amount racist, any amount sexist. That's a narrow belief. And might I also say, very quickly, uh, hopefully the, the stream has not shut off in the middle of all of this. That's a good, narrow-minded belief. We can all acknowledge that. that is, that's, we believe that all people were created in the image of God, and so they should not be looked down upon. That includes people of other races, people who claim to have another gender, but really they're, they're actually their biologi biological gender. That means uh, all people are deserving of our, our love and care because God loves and cares for them. No matter what gender you are, no matter what race you are, no matter anything. So that is a good narrow belief. We have also have lots of other narrow beliefs. Like when I was building my home, I had to get an engineer to, uh, you know, scribble a bunch of things down on paper and then charge me thousands of dollars. It was really great use of funds. But uh, so, he, so he had to do all kinds of math calculations. And then I had to specifically build my house in this specific way. I had a set of plans. I had to put this beam here. I had to put these bolts here. I had to glue these bolts in the foundation. I had uh, to put uh, plywood on the side of the building, and then I had to nail it off in a specific pattern, and, and I have to have these clips on the trusses, and I have to, all this, just so that the building won't fall down. But that's kind of a narrow belief, don't you think? Like, if the inspector were to come to the house, I'd say, you know what? I've, I've read the engineering specs and I've just decided that I don't really want to do that. And he would say, it doesn't matter. This is the narrow belief system, Mr. Porter, that you must use to build your home. You cannot use any other belief system. It is this belief system because it has come down from the Lord engineer, right? He is the one who says this. I cannot go against it. Your car has a narrow-minded belief system. I mean, if you have a diesel vehicle and you put gas in it, you're going to have serious problems. It's very narrow. It's narrow-minded. And vice versa. You're going to have issues. If you want to become a doctor, you can't just decide to be on any program that you want. You have to be in the program that's a part of the school. And then you've got to do residency. And then you've got to uh, go and, and practice well. And then you must stay within the bounds of what it looks like to be a doctor, within the rules and regulations and best practices of being a doctor. 
If you want to get physically fit, there is a narrow-minded belief. I cannot have all of these carbs and ice cream and cookies and, and all of that stuff throughout the wintertime and through COVID and all of that stuff and expect that I am going to lose weight. I must have a narrow-minded belief system about losing weight and looking fit on some level. But yet our world says, you know, they're so narrow-minded. They say it's narrow-minded because of this. There are some people who believe that, you know, uh, all roads lead to God. Apparently this happened within the last 150 years where many people got together and they said, you know what? No religion should be criticized. All of them are equally true. All of them are equally true, and so uh, we should not criticize any other religion. In fact, you shouldn't talk about your religion in public because then that's saying that you're ahead of all other religions. But that can't possibly be true because each religion has a narrow system of belief. And then the very people who are saying you should not be talking about that are actually espousing their own religion, which is a religion of non-religion. They're, they're telling you uh, not to do something, and in doing that, they're doing the very same thing that they're telling you not to do. See, Jesus is right in line with where we are today. Jesus is right in line. We believe that there's lots of things that must have a narrow focus. It's a narrow belief system. And Jesus is saying that to us. He's saying, just like you understand that everything in life, except for morality apparently in our world today, everything must be narrow, or morality in some respects, in all of the respects that we feel like having it, there, there must be a narrow belief system. And Jesus is espousing that. The way is narrow. It's not what you want it to be. It's not what you think it should be. It's not how you want it to happen. It's not gonna be in any way something that you believe is the right way to do it. And Jesus says, that's why. That's why. He says this, for many, and Jesus is speaking to the Jews, it also applies to us, but Jesus is saying something that is rather interesting because he's speaking to Jewish people. He's saying, for many of you Jews, I tell you, will seek to enter and will not be able. And will not be able. Many of you are going to seek to get in and you're not gonna be let in. We should keep reading. When once the master of the house has written and shut the door, and you begin to stand outside and to knock at the door saying, Lord, open to us, then he will answer you, I do not know where you've come from. I mean, this is kind of shocking language to people that have been in this all of their life. They have always been Jewish. They have always been a part of this. But what's happening in this is, is this, is that they've been a part of Jewish culture for so long that somehow they believe that I'm gonna get salvation simply because I am of the race of the Jews. I'm going to get in because of my race. I'm going to get in because I've been a part of this thing for a long time. Jesus wants to wake them up with this statement that says, there's a lot of people that think that they're in and they're not in. The door is narrow. And these folks have done whatever they wanted. They thought that they were in because they were a part of this race. They thought that they were in because they were a part of this people group. And Jesus has another thing coming for them. He says, then you will begin to say, we ate and drank in your presence. And you taught in our streets. But he will say, I tell you, I do not know where you come from. That's the second time he said that. When Jesus repeats something, you should listen. I don't know where you come from. Depart from me, all you workers of evil. What's he saying there? They were familiar with Jesus, but they weren't family. 
They were familiar with Jesus, but they weren't family. We ate and drank with you. You taught in our streets. I was right there. I kind of nodded and I, and I said, okay, what's, what's Jesus saying there? You're familiar with who I am, but you've never actually entered into the family of God. You've never actually striven to go after me. You've just kind of sat there. And Jesus never, ever teaches for us to just hear it and not do it. Jesus never, ever teaches for you to just like, oh, that's what Jesus says, and not to actually do it. These people never entered in because they believed that somehow they had a shoe in. They were a part of this thing. They were like, they were kind of buddy-buddy with, 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 with Jesus and the disciples, and they, they hung out. And Jesus says, I don't know where you've even come from, man. I don't know where you've come from. Parents are shocked oftentimes when their kids leave the home and go to college or wherever they're going, and all of a sudden they go off and do whatever they want. I'm not saying it's the, the parents' fault. What I'm saying is parents are shocked oftentimes because their kid has been in church with them very, you know, quite frequently. Their kid's been, been, been in this thing with them for some time. They went to youth group. They went to camp. They cried singing a worship song. They, you know, what, whatever it was, they, they kissed dating goodbye. That's like way old. Oh, my gosh, early 90s, something like that. My girlfriend read that book. That guy's not a Christian anymore, by the way. Uh, I just want to point that out because I hated that book. Uh, and uh, I was like, I want to find this guy. I want to punch him right in the nose. Um, is it, violence just kind of bubbles up occasionally. And so, uh, uh, anyway, yeah, I hated that book. Why am I telling you that? Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, that was like, that was part and parcel of, of youth ministry in the early 90s. You had to read that book, early, mid-90s, I should probably say. Uh, you know, you've gone on mission trips. Um, you know, the, what, what was the other thing where the, you know, the purity pledges, I forget what those were called, but maybe you remember that. It's like a pledge not to, true love waits, there you go, yeah. <laughs> you really should wait, I shouldn't be laughing at that, but <laughs> this is a terrible sermon. I don't know why you guys came today, but uh, I mean, you could do all of those things. <laughs> you should wait until you're married. Um, you probably shouldn't date, I, I tell my daughters often, I mean, like, it'll be, you know, mid-40s before you're, you're dating, stuff like that. I mean, I mean, seriously, it's like, when the kid comes with, with my daughter to the door, at, or comes to the door to pick up my daughter, I don't know if I'm just going to have one shotgun or all of them, you know, like, I'll just be like, I don't know which one I'm going to use on you right now, like, like this, is, this is fun right now, but... Uh, I, uh, I really do think my kids should not date. That's, where I was, that's what I was trying to say there. But um, you could have gone through all that stuff, you know, throughout your upbringing. And some of you did. Some of you did. And then you went later on in life and you're like, but that, but I, I don't really have any connection to this Jesus person. And then you realize that you had to actually, like, figure this out on your own. Parents are shocked when they go to school and they think, I, I can't believe, I never taught him that way. Well, the, the truth is, is that familiarity is not family. Just because you've been around it, just because you grew up that way, doesn't mean that you're gonna enter in. Doesn't mean that you're a, a part of that. Jesus says it is down to each person. It's not a, a vague they, but it is a personal you. What has your decision about Jesus Christ been? Has it been, I've been to camp, and I've done all these things, and I've done all, done all that, and Jesus says, no, 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 no. There'd be lots of people that said that they did all these things. They tried by their own righteousness, by their own ability to do what, what is right. That is the broad way. There's many people in our world today who would say, I've done lots of good things, Pastor Matt. I've, I've lived a good life. I'm nice to people. I'm not a racist. I... Whatever it is that they're saying, I have been a pretty good person. And Jesus says, 
That is the broad way, and it leads to destruction. Why? Because it's all about you being God. It's all about you being the one who is determinate. Physical proximity to Jesus is no comfort at all. Proximity is not a substitute for intimacy with Jesus. Proximity is not a substitute for intimacy in your marriage. I, I'm in the same house with her all the time. I mean, isn't that intimacy? I mean, like, it's not. I don't know if you know it or not, guys. It's not. It's being near somebody, but it's not intimacy with someone. Do you have more than a familiar relationship to Jesus? Are you family? You might say, yeah, I, 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 think, I think I'm family, but I, I just, I think it's a difficult word that Jesus uses, like to agonize, to agonize, to, to strive toward your relationship with God, with Jesus. Like that's, that's pretty interesting. Jesus says, in that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Again, the judgment thing. When you see Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and all the prophets in the kingdom of God, but you yourselves cast out. What's, what's a Jew looking to, forward to? To being in the kingdom with these, you know, forebearers. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and all the prophets, like they're looking forward to meeting Abraham, the father of their faith. They're looking forward to, to hanging out with Isaac and Jacob and talking about stories. They're looking forward to being with their family. And Jesus says, it's gonna be a real unfortunate day when you get there and you're not able to be there. You yourself are cast out. Verse 29, and people will come from east and west and from north and south and recline at table in the kingdom of God. What did Jesus just say there? Saying, everybody but you. It's gonna be really unfortunate because there's gonna be all these people who are non-Jews, Gentiles, who are going to be in and you're not gonna be in. Jesus is like driving the nail here all the way home. He's like, oh my gosh. Like, they're like, oh my goodness, like this is serious stuff. They're gonna recline at table in the kingdom of God, and behold, some are last who will be first, and some are first who will be last. All of you people that thought that you'd be the first ones in the door are not gonna be. I think it's a, it's a very cautious statement. I think it's for the church today. I think it's for the church today. I'll tell you more about that. Some Pharisees come out to him and say, get away from here for Herod wants to kill you. So the, the ruler of that area at that time says, uh, says he wants to, to kill them. The Pharisees get word about this. For some reason, they're in tight with Herod. And Jesus turns and says, go tell that fox um, which is, you know, not, not the greatest description of, of Herod. I'm sure that's not a good description. Go tell that fox, behold, I cast out demons and perform cures today and tomorrow and on the third day I finish my course. Nevertheless, I must go on my way today and tomorrow and the day following for it cannot be the pro prophet should perish away from Jerusalem. And then Jesus, so Jesus is, here's what they have to say He's just been teaching on there's gonna be very few who are going to get in from the Jews. They think that they're in. They think that they're a part of this. And they say to Jesus something that I think really proves the reality that they don't believe who he is. They're staring God in the face and they can't believe it that he's there, that he's here. And they're basically saying, hey, you should be afraid of Herod and Jesus says, correction, you should be afraid of judgment. 
because of this. O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the city that kills prophets and stones, those who are sent to it, how often would I have gathered your children together as a hen gathers her brood under her wings, and you were not willing. You were not willing. I would have gathered you. I would have brought you together. Look at the tenderness in what Jesus is saying. I would have gathered you alongside of me. I would, I would have brought you in, but you were not willing. It's not that I didn't come to you. It's not that I wasn't there. It's not that I didn't teach you. It's not that you didn't have the opportunity. It's that you simply were not willing. And Jesus says, behold, your house is forsaken. And I tell you, you will not see me until you say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And he's pointing towards Palm Sunday, which is the Sunday before he goes to the cross. See, this is scary, I think, for the church today. The the church today, in in the same way that these Pharisees are, the church today is also fearful of government. And Jesus says, "Uh, I don't even care what Herod's doing. Tell that fox to whatever. Go tell that, no, he didn't say that. He says, go tell that fox, this is what I'm doing. My program continues. Guess what? God's program continues no matter who's in office. No matter who's in office. You think we mentioned politics too much? How much are you wrapped up into politics? We fear our government way too much. On both sides of the aisle, on both sides of political persuasion. We fear our government. We fear everything. And Jesus says, my work goes on. I don't even care what that guy's doing. I'm casting out demons. I'm curing people. I'm, and my plan is going to continue whether you want it to or not. My plan goes on. And what's happening here is that you've got these people that are really on the Broadway and they're saying, I think you should worry about these things. And Jesus says, no. We're on my program. We're on the narrow way. We're on the narrow way here. And we misunderstand it on a regular basis. We end up fearing man over fearing God. We end up being managed by our feelings. Our feelings tell us what we should do, how we should live, how we should act, what we should view as narrow, and what we should view as broad. Our feelings are directing our lives. And Jesus is saying, it all comes down to this. You are not willing to let me gather you like a mother hen gathers her chicks. While that may not be something that sounds real great to you, it's Jesus saying to people, I want to bring you in. I want you to be a part of my thing. I want you to be a part of this. And yet many of us are not willing. But I want not willing. I wanted to spend just a little bit more time at the end here. Just talking about what is it, how do we enter through the narrow door and dive toward that in the way that Jesus would have us? What's that look like? Because I think it can very easily turn into a list of rules. I I think it can very easily turn into works righteousness. First thing is, you gotta go through the door. You've gotta go to that door. You gotta understand that that door only opens from the inside. It 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 is... God's will, it is, it is his way or the highway, literally. John 14, 6, Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. Salvation only comes through Jesus. All other religions are false. They're lies. And in as, in as such... <laughs> As that, I totally jacked that up. Whatever. Uh, All other religions 
are taking you away from the truth. All other religions will send you to hell. All other religions are wrong. All other religions are leading you to death and destruction. And Jesus loves them intensely. But he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus says in John 17, verse 3, and this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. It is only through Jesus Christ, his death, burial, resurrection, and receiving that. In order to do that, in order to be a part of that, there must be a submission to God. There must be a submission to God that says, my life is open to you. My life is, is, is at your will. Like you get to determine what's right and what's wrong. Psalm 139, 23 and 24 says, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts and see if there be any grievous way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. The person who has gone through the door that is Jesus, that, is, that has come through, that has said, what doesn't belong inside of this door? What doesn't fit inside of this very narrow door? Because when you go through the door, what happens is this, is that all of the entanglements, all of the stuff that you've got on your back, all of the baggage that you've had that's, that's hung on and stuff like that, that must be put under God. And we must say to God, search me and know my heart. See, a lot of times we come to our marriage, we come to our life, we come to our church life, we come to our work, and we say, you know what? I haven't done anything wrong. What if fights continue? What if things keep happening? What if relationships just dissolve and melt away? And so it's because you have at least one person, if not both, who are saying, I don't have anything wrong with me. Well, guess what? God doesn't work that way because he knows your heart. And when you say, search my heart, you're not saying, hey, God, see if you can find anything. Seriously, I, I just want you to check and just see if there's anything wrong because I don't think there is. That's why I'm here. It, it's, it's saying this, God, you know and I know that there's stuff that's wrong with me and I want you to point it out to me. And you know what God is gracious to do? God doesn't like immediately just go, you know what, you got this, you got that, got that, got that, got that, got that, got that. Like, I mean, like I'd be overwhelmed, but God just seems to take like one area at a time. He says, okay, Matt, here we go. Let's deal with that. Okay, let's deal with this. This is saying, I'm living in submission to God. How do I strive? How do I agonize? How do I, how do I go toward the narrow door? How am I seeking after him? I'm saying, God, I live in submission to you my life is in your hands. How do you do this? How do you continue to do this? First Timothy 4.10. For to this end we toil and strive because we have our hope set on the living God who is the savior of all people, especially of those who believe. To this end, we toil and strive. We are toiling, we are striving, but we're not toiling and striving. To, God, I hope, that I, I hope that I measure up to you. I hope that I'm doing what's right. No, it's saying I'm toiling and striving because, and it's motivated by the hope that I have in the true and living God. It's, it's, it's the hope that I have set on him. My hopes are in him. It's not in my own feelings my desires. Look again at Hebrews 12, verses three and four, which says, consider him, who's him? Jesus, who endured from sinners such hostility against himself so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. Think about what Jesus went through. Contemplate it. Think about it. Agonize. Strive toward. Look at what Jesus went through. And then the writer of Hebrews says, in your struggle against sin, you've not resisted to the point of shedding your blood yet, have you? 
And I think it's his way of saying, because Jesus did. I don't know if you know that or not, but Jesus did. Strive. Strive. Oh, man. And then don't delay. See, God is patient towards you, 2 Peter 3, 9. He's not wishing that you would perish, but that everyone should reach repentance. He's patient toward you. But Hebrews 4, 7 says, today if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. How many of us are just doing church? I feel like I am right now. I, I, I've just had these thoughts recently where I'm just like, do I, am, I doing, am I preaching because I want to preach the word of God or am I preaching because I, I get paid to do that? Just being real honest here right now. Hopefully I still have a job later. but uh, No, but I actually had to ask that question. Ah, oh, man. It's, do I want Jesus? Man, I've been, I've been doing ministry for the longest time. I got excited about ministry in my early 20s. I feel like God radically saved me from myself, even though I think I got saved when I was four and then whatever, rededicated my dedication, whatever that was, when I was probably 21. And I got excited about ministry. And then, so then I start thinking, did I just get excited about gathering people in a room? Because I love a party. I love getting people together. I love singing. I love it when everybody's singing. I love it when the subwoofers are bumping. I love that stuff. But that's not the sum total of Christianity, is it? I mean, like, Christianity is not a rock concert. It wasn't in Jesus' day. It's relationship with the true and living God. It's having my hope set on him. And so I could just as easily, I could get into this mode of, like, I just do church. Like, I put it on. I know how to... Uh, how to make a, a, a you know a, a great production, a great program? We have amazing artists and and programmers and lights and and all of this stuff. But that's not the sum total of what it looks like to be a Christian. And if your Christianity is built on the facade of Christianity that we've built, that Christianity needs to be, and somehow you've come to believe that, like if I just go occasionally. If I just kind of give a nod, yeah, I, I kind of like God, I'm just afraid that you're going to be standing on the outside knocking on the door, and I'm going to be standing knocking on the outside of the door. I'm not saying I'm, I'm going to lose my salvation. I'm not saying you're going to lose your salvation. I'm asking the question whether, I was, whether we were ever saved to begin with, and I, I believe that I was saved. I don't, don't want to say I'm doubting that. But what I want to say is I think there's too few of us that are, aren't asking that question. Have I ever truly believed, did I go through the narrow door? Is there any desire to be with God's people that's more than affinity-based? That's more than just kind of, that's more than just a, uh, like, I, oh, this is where my friend group is, this is where, this is, is there a desire at all to sit under the, preaching of the word of God? Is there a sense of God's presence when you're singing to him, when you're worshiping him? Do you find yourself reading in the word of God and just being brought to, brought alive by it? Like, do you long for it? And I know that not all the time can be that way. Can't always be mountaintop experiences, but, but like, do you, like, do you find yourself like desiring Jesus Christ in your life? like wanting more of him? Do you find yourself, um, or do you find yourself basically saying, you know, I, I could skip church today. It's on live stream now. I can just go, I can just watch it online and I, uh, I feel better about myself when I watch. I feel better about myself when I attend. I feel better about myself, you know, in that sense. Because some of us are just punching a time clock, just punching in and punching out. And, Jesus was aware of that in his day. And I, I just think it's, it's a pretty serious thing to be questioned on. 
And I invite you to question yourself in that way. And if you're worried about that, you're like, oh no, oh no, oh no. Guess what? It's kind of a good, a good thing to be like, no, I want to be with God. I want to, oh, what, what are you talking about, pastor? Like, what, what? Guess what? You can't want God without God having saved you. But I would press into that. Press into that. Do you have a relationship with God? If you just said, I'm going to do whatever I want, kind of like this Christianity thing, but I'm just going to kind of be here. I, I, I want to encourage you. Now is the, is the time of salvation. It's not later. It's not some other, some other time, some other place. It's, it's now. So invite Jesus into your life. Would you uh, go to the Lord's table with me here? We don't have quiet moments very much with all of the media and stuff, like just to sit quietly. And so uh, I just want, I want to ask you to take a moment. I want to ask the band not to play for a moment here. Would you just bow your heads, close your eyes? I want you to ask yourself, you're, I mean, everybody who's participating in the Lord's table is, are people who believe that they have entered through the narrow door. But am, maybe you need to ask yourself, am I striving? One way to find out whether you're striving towards that is what worries me the most. Is it politics, money, relationship? Have I even thought of my salvation? Where am I continually violating God's law? And I just want to tell you this. Jesus says, this is my body, which was given for all of your failings, for all of your addictions, for all of your problems. And you entering this door is not contingent on that all being fixed right this minute. You're entering through my door. It's contingent on my body that I gave for you. Jesus says, do this in remembrance of me. Let's partake of the bread. And he says, this is my blood, which is poured out for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Thank you, Jesus, for your body and your blood that was shed for us. Jesus, we thank you for how you've served us. Lord, I pray that we, if we have not yet, that we would enter through the narrow door that is through you. It's in your name we pray, amen.